So hi, Max. Now the most important question, of course, is what was your first computer? My first computer? So the, fir I, I, the first computer I owned was a Commodore 64. But the first computer I actually like, saw and touched and kind of triggered the whole getting into computers was uh, my, um, my uh, what's it called? One of my friends, when I, I can't remember how old I was, like maybe 10 or 11, had a mother who was working in a, in a like the play, play they make uh, newspapers okay. and uh, she she got a green terminal at at home to get used to a computer because at that time it wasn't regular it wasn't normal to have a computer at home and i saw this green screen and i got to type on it and then i was hooked <laughs> basically <laughs> seeing the stuff when i typed letters on my keyboard and it moved on the screen that was that what got me hooked and then uh yeah i got the commodore 64 uh, mainly just for playing games, but then there was this thing called Basic on it, and uh, yeah, I, I think I made a what's it called? Uh, uh, print Hello World Go to Ten a uh, hundred times, uh, and that's how I started programming. Okay, basically uh, the uh, the green screen. Why why, why you like yeah. that? Well, I, I it was just you know I it was something when you. The fact that, you know, I hadn't touched anything like that before, right? And then just the fact that you were touching a keyboard and the key was going down and something reacted on the screen. I don't know. That was just like, I still remember the day that, that green letters moving when I typed in. Okay, um, cool. I think I was like, yeah, nine or 10. It was just fascinating for me for some reason. <laughs> okay. So, and and, and uh, how old were you with the C64? Uh, I think I was 11 or something, 11 okay. or 12, yeah, yeah, around that. Um, and then uh, it was mainly a game. I think I, I got it, uh, an, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, Amiga? Yeah, I, uh, oh, uh, uh, yeah, okay, but C64 was already great back then. And which games you liked? Yeah. You remember the games? Uh, oh, what's it called? The one that I played the most, uh, it's called Rally, I think. It's like okay. you, you're playing this eight bit pixel game from the top and there's like two two joysticks you had like your friend had one the other one had, you had one and you played around on this like track and you could slide uh uh in the in in the in the curves and, and go around i think it's called like rally or something okay and international karate i remember um yeah and uh yeah I, yeah a lot of fighting games is what i remember yeah and uh I wanted to have one game, uh, and this was only available on C64, and I had ZX Spectrum, and the game, the name of the game was Mac Max. It, uh, ah, it, was like, okay. it was like a robot, you know, going and shooting, and you can build the robot, and this was actually an interesting game, but it was only available on C64, I remember. So, um, yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, the question yeah. is, uh, why you started programming then? So, I mean, you had, the, you had the games, you were happy with the games, it seems like? Yeah, well, I can't. I just remember at some point there was this manual with the Commodore 64 and it talked about this, you know, basic stuff. Um, and it was like this explanation of a, of a sprite. And it took me, I, it took me forever to understand it. Like, I, I, I just couldn't get how it worked. Uh, but I remember typing in these, like, you know, there's a mag magazine in, in Denmark called IC Run, which, like, was about, you know, Commodore 64 and, and all that stuff. And you could, like, these pages you could type in just... Like a little bootstrap on top, and then you just say data, and then you're just typing in all the, basically the 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 bytecode kind of thing, um, and out came a game or some animation, and I was like, I couldn't understand like how could people 
like like know which numbers that should be on that uh, in that uh, yeah, exactly thing. it took me years to, oh not years it took me a long while to realize this was actually like a compiled result of an actual game written in in a assembler or, or something else um but i remember i, I got into uh, basic somehow this way and i remember doing the hello world and as it's like little animated sprites you could draw Mm-hmm. Um, like that's like a piece of paper. You should make the dots, and then you should, you know, calculate which the the bit pattern, and and you make this balloon that was uh, flying around. And somehow I got into like that was at that time just too complicated. I couldn't like I couldn't connect. I could do what it said, but I couldn't understand what it was doing. And then I I found so the, the, the numbers is funny. Snake. I had the same the same problem. I had that you know yeah. the peak and pokes. And uh, yeah, I was, exactly. I, yeah, I was. Uh, how it's possible that that someone you know knows the number? So I was. It, yeah. it drove me crazy. Like, this is just yeah. a mission impossible. So how would they do it? So yeah. it's just like you know, so, extremely smart people, or or I mean, this is just impossible. That someone just says, "Do this peak and the poke," and you know. um, yeah, the 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 thing that get the next one was like uh, the, the snake game, you know, like a, yeah, yeah, the move mm-hmm. snake around a bit. That one, that source code was actually with your Commodore sixty four somehow. Um, oh, and I remember you could go in and edit, uh, you could change this. Like I looked at the code cause I, I learned basic, basic, and then I saw the code and I got in and I changed the fact that, you know, it, it will just keep growing. I could change how it grow and I could make the game more fun mm-hmm. that way. And that was the first time I learned the power of open source basically, because I'm okay. like, I could, couldn't understand all the text that was like. That explained to me how a sprite work and animation. I was like, made no sense to me. Yeah. But looking at the source code and being able to play around and get fast feedback, that was what made it for me. Yeah. Um, and, what, what, what still, uh, yeah. One, one thing which interests me. So uh, you were happy with the games, but there was a manual. So why you read the manual then? I mean, you could just keep playing games, you know? Well, sure. But I was 10 or 11 and I, I you know learn to read read a few years before and just you know if there's a book then you start reading it and go like okay let's see what this is and yeah cool now there was a time when you know a manual was actually interesting there was actually in informal informational stuff in there and not just uh go online and, and find yourself uh things but yeah it was just yeah reading and trying to understand it so. yeah cool so uh you got uh you you got then amiga right where, where was it actually which city you lived back then I, I was in, um, I, I'm from Denmark, so I lived in a small country village called Vilbeck. Oh, cool. Outside, on the western side of of, 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 uh, of Denmark. And you were alone uh, with your computer, or were you, uh, other, you know, uh, 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 kids also had computers? Uh, yeah, so my, my the friend I was playing games, oh, so that was, now I remember, like the rally game and uh, uh, Summer Olympics. Yeah, like you move the keyboard, like the joystick, like yeah, you. This was a joystick destroyer, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. And I remember shopping for the like the most uh, <laughs> the strongest joystick, so yeah. it could survive. Um, I, was, I had a friend there that was playing. That was had had a Commodore sixty four too, and we kind of it was our social <coughs> sorry our social uh, thing, and uh, yeah, and then I remember. We got, we had on our school, we were like every year that was when you were in the sixth grade or like sixth or seventh grade. Mm-hmm. That year, that the school paper for that school will be made by that, that, uh, mm-hmm. that year. 
and I, that was one of the first time they were using a uh, the Commodore sixty four had a a word processor, what was called Word Perfect, mm-hmm. um, and I remember I was only I only had that at school. I couldn't use that at home, um, and I just remember I was the one who understood how that worked. So I was kind of one teaching the other kids how to use the Word Perfect. And why you got it? Because you, you used it before, or no? It was just that was the thing that was the school was using. They you know the teacher has been so hey you can use this okay. thing and here is this uh, matrix printer. And then we made the, we had the, uh, we, we wrote the, the the articles and and whatever it was on the on the on the Commodore sixty four. Uh, I think it was Commodore sixty four. And then somehow it got printed in a nice format. But that was like you had to send that somewhere. You couldn't, you didn't, the school couldn't afford a printer that could do it nicely. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, so, the Amiga five hundred. So you already had it, or. The well, the Amiga. Uh, I think that was so. The Commodore sixty four was like a, a used one. My parents bought for me in, in a birthday present or something. Um, and then uh, the 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 Amiga, I got uh, some few few years later. And here I was trying to get into like the like some of my friends was doing like um, assembly and stuff for you know uh, demos and uh, land games and all this this whole demo scene. And again, but I was back again to being, I had no idea what they were doing. It so was back then, when were, was it, the demo scene? This was, I've been, I've been, what I've been, I've been like 14, 15, so that's like 30 years ago. Wow, that's okay. Crazy. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the thing is, again, that the, the, was the, the, the thing I hated there, was like, there was these guys who had figured this out. They understood the numbers and the assembly and whatever it was. <laughs> exactly. But they were so protective okay. about what it was. Like, it was so hard to find information. There's no, you couldn't, there's no Google or anything you look up. Like, how to, it was all word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me, it was, uh, it was just horrible. And I remember the uh, trying to find stuff and, and um, get access to information was like a battle. You have to know the people and they have to be, you know, yeah. Nice to you and all that stuff. Um, and I just remember at some point I got like this big Turbo, <clears throat> Turbo Pascal book um, about object-oriented programming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that was the one that, that it, for some reason, that one made it click for me. I suddenly, like I understood like go-to and basic stuff like for loops and while loops mm-hmm. um, and that kind of thing. But method calls, I, I kind of got, and then th- this was this whole object-oriented programming, and that was that blew my mind. It was just, uh, yeah. But it was only because I had the book, and I could try Turbo Pascal. Uh, that was actually th- at that time I got a uh, a forty-six. I got a, a PC at that time, so it was a few years later. Um, and then I just sat down uh, and I I went through that book like ten times, and suddenly go like, oh, I can build like small. Console apps in my my DOS program with Turbo Pascal, and later on I got into Delphi, uh, Visual Basic, Microsoft Access, all those um, uh, wonderful things, um, and uh, yeah, and then then I got, did some C, and I, then suddenly I ended up doing Java uh, at university, and I, I did a literal my product there was a called elucidated programming, which was like a variation of literate programming. One question. So uh, which which software do you yeah. brought? So what is your first piece of software somehow interesting, you know? So you, you did a lot of research, but what was your goal? I mean, 
what you wanted to achieve it, it was, right it was just this thing that i could control like like that little i press a key and at the green screen the cursor and moves on the green screen and then i go like, hey i can do i can move more things like mm -hmm. i can make it move around i can make it print i can make but then switch in the graphics mode and just the fact that I could control and manipulate that little world um, and make it do things. And then it just kind of built from there. Mm -hmm. um, and I can't, I don't actually think, I think I was, I was literally just, I was just trying to understand how those numbers in IC run worked. <laughs> like okay. where did they come from? Uh, <clears throat> and it was just random, like small uh, utilities or programs and, um, but I spent most of my like younger was just trying different applications and not so much pro program was just kind of on or off. Mm -hmm. um, but it, the the big the first big thing I think I can remember doing, um, as so those those the basic you know changing the basic programs. But the the first big thing I did was in in um, I went to um, oh, what's that called English? Uh, well, it was an IT uh, study, and you uh, have to go uh, and make an app. Yeah, so engineering, right? Like electrical engineering, something like this. No, well, no, it was, it was actually it was one of the first courses in Denmark that had to do. It's not it's not computer science on university, but like before. But um, so it's a higher education, but but um, just for for IT. It's an IT uh, okay. school. It's like the third or fourth year that they had uh, this this thing. Um, and I just remember that I, I wrote. A, it was Microsoft Success. I wrote an application. Um, a lot of stuff to do with. Uh, I, I was fascinated about databases, so querying from a database and mm -hmm. visualizing it and that kind of thing. So I wrote an app to manage. Uh, there was like a gallery, like a, a little store in this gallery in this, this town I was in, and needed an application to manage all his artwork. Okay. And uh, I just remember writing that as a as a a, a, a thing back then. Um, and then I actually got a, a study job next to it uh, with the. A company who who did um, who is producing uh, what's it called underwear, underwear okay. and lingerie and 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 like uh, any med like the fabric you use when you protect yourself like okay. uh, medical fat and uh, those machines has a certain pattern like these are like mechanical like it's like it's like a um, what's it called a, a punch card like you you okay. put uh, different patterns and then out comes the pattern for your lingerie or for your medical thing. And that system, they had a very massive spreadsheet, mm -hmm. uh, and it was just over. It was just too much. It was just too hard to look up. Um, so I, I imported all that data into uh, Microsoft Access, and then when I've done that, they suddenly go, "Oh, they can do this very fast." They now wanted to do it visually. So this, so I drew, made up this in Visual Basic on Microsoft Access. I made this very crude UI to. Say okay, you want to do a line there and a, hey, cool. a ditch there, and then and then that stored in database. And and the fun thing that I, I don't know if it's running still, but I I was uh, I came by that company like five six years later, and they were still running. So uh, uh, was it your first job? Yeah, that was my first uh, like, uh, but it was like a side gig to my school. I studied at that time. Okay. Um. So uh, yeah, and then after that, I I I got recommended to do. Uh, a full master's in computer science. Hey, wait, one second. How you got the job? Uh that was because I was on uh, on that school. I became oh, okay. Uh, I was I was the like uh, every year had a had a student that was kind of like um, working for with the teachers. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, do I, I, I helped uh, some people understand pointers and other stuff. Uh, and so I was like a teacher assistant kind of thing. Okay. Um, and then uh, and system admin kind of thing. So I helped. I remember having to install. They were doing Smalltalk. Uh, they Smalltalk came around and they had these, and it required like eight eight megs of memory, which mm-hmm. was or sixteen. I forgot. It was like four times more than normal. Mm-hmm. And I was installing all those who were like into like twenty uh, forty six uh, PCs, tower PCs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just remember installing OS two on those to have uh, the Smalltalk Visual Edge <laughs> uh, tooling installed. Um, and I just remember, I think there was like uh, this, uh, the company asked the the, uh, the school if they had some students who might be able to do, have a student project okay. uh, or a student job. And, and that was, that was how I got into it. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, that's, 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 that's the one I did. I also did, oh, that actually before my, that was actually, the, I'm, I'm just, just an observation because your, yeah. uh, your colleagues, uh, in your younger age, didn't want to share anything, right? So you you were the opposite. Yeah. You say, yeah, now <laughs> I show you how it works, and you shared whatever you yeah. could, right? <laughs> I, it, yes, it was, it was. I was so frustrated that it was so hard to find information. I was yeah. Like, anytime I found something, and someone, I was like, yeah, you should like this is how we do it. Um, so no, it was uh, it was it, it was uh, yeah. I, I remember the first years. I was like. Yeah, messing with me. I couldn't find it because the thing is, you can go to school and you could learn about you know, you know, science yeah. and uh, you can read from a book like the stuff that's been published the last you know, ten hundred thousand years. But this new new thing in quotes that was happening the last you know twenty thirty years and you know, well, that time it's like twenty years in, in 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 IT was just incredibly hard to find. Yeah, and uh, the people who were doing it was very protective. Yeah, of the thing. No, so what was your next up. thing after Visual Basic? So you, you 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 created you know the what you see is what you get tool with Visual Basic. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> uh, what did I do afterwards? I did some Delphi again, a student pro- uh, uh, programming in, in in Delphi, and I loved Delphi. Delphi was like like the visual thing and the wiring up things, and the fact that the, behind the visual thing was actually a decent program model. Mm-hmm. Um, I found amazing, and I still regret that Borland messed up whatever they had i i'm still i, I read a few times on, on they still exist which is funny like delphi is still a thing um but yeah actually uh, yeah, i attended some conferences in germany and uh the yeah. conferences this was like uh it was called i think entwickler conference so it's like developer con and yeah. uh, this was uh some this was at the beginning or beginning this was i would say five or eight years ago, something like this. This was a joint conference between Java and Delphi programmers. And the Delphi oh, programmers, yeah. yeah, they were extremely passionate about, you know, JBuilder, uh, sorry, JBuilder, the Boland and the oh. uh, Delphi, and, and they're still running. Yeah. So there were people from Switzerland, so uh, and they used Delphi in the government, and they, they were like a gurus, you know, and they showed me from Boland, like uh, videos or whatever. They were ex- as passionate as we are about Java. They were passionate about Delphi. Yeah, and, and I, now I just I remember because the the the, the thing that uh, Sun did back then, they came out with yeah Gay Builder or something similar, so which was very much inspired by Delphi. Like it was mm-hmm. it was a little the same UI, yeah, and all this beans and stuff. But where, and I think the difference was that uh, Java seemed to be more open about what they did and allowed for more like others to 
add stuff on top. And mm-hmm. then, uh, yeah, so so Delphi just kept, kept, you know, increasing the price for the software. And I think uh, it was just, yeah, they, they made a mistake. So they, they had some, re, like, I still believe, like, the most productive I've been in, like, combined UI and backend stuff was, was when I did uh, Delphi. Um, uh, but I also, like, yeah, we'll... we'll it, it, I just remember it very fondly <laughs> sitting okay. and doing those things. Um, and then I got into, um, what was the next thing? I guess yeah, I got to university. I did some Java and some C. Uh, how you like Java? So what experience. was your first Java version and how you like Java? So how? I, so I, I thought, I think it must have been like Java 1.2 or something. Okay. It was, um, I tried. I tried. I remember Oak and Squeak or whatever they were before. Just as like they were things I just kind of mm-hmm. touched and saw at some point. Um, but I think Java one two was the thing I used in my um, my real work. I got a, a a job at a company called Metfork, who's actually a sister company called Trifork, who ah. did some of the first Java E application servers. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I worked with that uh, that company. I actually and know the guy did... who move around the conferences and uh, and try to you know to promote the, the Trifork. What was his name? So he was uh, 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 all around. There's Jörn and Kristen. Yeah, Kristen. Yeah. He's this thin guy with a big uh, big hair. <laughs> I, I think so, so yeah. Uh, he moved around yeah. and, and, and uh, he organized once a conference in Monaco or somewhere about Trifork, I yeah, remember. That... They've done a ton of they, the the tribal company now is more about uh, uh, consultant company and they do they own the uh, what was called Yahoo but now go to um, ah okay you no know, so Chris Chris and I actually wrote he he and I was actually on the same product doing uh, medical journals with uh, we, I, I was working on the the Metfork uh, company which used the Trifork application server and Chris was on that uh, product and he also uh, uh, so I did I helped. There was a lot of that. Trifork was doing heart reload stuff uh, when mm-hmm. before heart reload was uh, popular, um, and uh, he was actually helping uh, on my the, the product. I was an architect for uh, medical systems, um, so yeah, we've had we've had uh, fun times, and yeah, we were. And I was actually doing um, the two things I was doing there. I, I can I got the gig there because on my last year, I became a, I asked. Uh, I sent a letter to Trifor and said, hey, you have this conference coming up. Um, could we be student help and uh, help you? And then see some of the talks. And that was actually, that must have been back in 1996 or 7 or something. Wow. Okay. Um, or 8. Uh, yeah, 98 maybe. 98, 99. And then uh, we got there and I saw, got to see Ken Beck talk about extreme programming for the first time in, 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 in Denmark, I think. Um, and uh, uh, Ruby, I heard about Ruby. Uh, this was before Ruby and Rails. And it was like uh, the mm-hmm. guy behind Pragmatic Programmer was at those conferences. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then I got, I got connected and we got a student job, me and a, a, a student colleague. Um, and we got our first laptop, a Dell um, laptop. Mm-hmm. And I started writing uh, a lot of Python for because they had their whole development tool was uh, a, a Python ED, it was called EDP, uh, e, uh, EOS development platform. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, yeah. So this was like Trifork before that was called EOS, and they they had this the the guy who founded it, the 
was a Python head kind of thing. Okay. He had this, uh, it was just Python. And the only thing that Python did was just, uh, sorry, the, the, the tool do was like, in, in the root of your file was being a list of the dependencies you need. So this is before Maven, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was like, oh, I need, I need Apache, <clears throat> I need Apache, uh, Maven, I need uh, Tomcat, or I need these libraries. And then we uh, had a server somewhere that had these, like every product with a version, and then we'll go fetch it and put it on your disk. And then in your Ant stuff, you could then put it in. And before Ant, there was like a Java C setting up the class box. It was like a pre pre anything mm -hmm. uh, development tool set. So I did I did all the the Python there. I, they were Emacs was the main IDE. So I was doing all the the Lisp extension for I was doing stuff to Java developer toolkit in in, in Eclipse. Uh, sorry, Eclipse uh, in Emacs. And uh, and then my real job. <laughs> Was to to write this um, uh, Swing app for um, uh, there was talk the Swing app that was talking to Trifog application server to do these medical uh, different applications. Well, the Trifog so application server that was actually a really thin and fast server. So I was really amazed. It was it was yes, it was very different than anything else. Yeah. It was uh, the, the the issue they did was they were not doing the open source part like this. A lot of stuff that JBoss did. Uh, Trifog did in, in some way before, like, but yeah. it, it just had, wasn't really um, known. Um, so that, that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was a, 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 an amazing uh, server. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, that was really fun. <coughs> really fun. Um, so, so you worked and, as a student for Trifog? So this was the next gig? Yeah, so I, I, I did work for a student at, at, at Trifog, and then I got uh, fully hired into, so the, the, the two of us, uh, uh, me and another guy called Klaus. Klaus got hired into Trifork and working on the app server. I got hired into the Metfork, who was working on applications that was running on top of the app server. Oh, cool. And, and that, that's so that's 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 how I got into that gig. Um, and uh, yeah, and the, the the thing was the 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 funny story for for the Trifork area about the GoTo and Yahoo was the 2001 September 11. Which is my birthday, by the way. Uh, I was in Aarhus, so, and we saw our internet go crashing down when, and we heard this thing about, uh, oh, something flew into the World Trade Center, mm -hmm. uh, and this was the last day of the Jau, uh, Java 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 conference, the mm -hmm. Jau conference. So mm -hmm. there was like, yeah, Ken Beck and uh, the private program, and all those like fifty of some people from the from outside and they were just i remember that they were crashing in the internet just stopped working <laughs> and we saw this screen come on and then there's like you know world trade center coming down um and uh, yeah that was the that, that was a fun oh not fun but uh it's just a, a memory from back then um just seeing i remember cnn the page they they had this you know <laughs> back then website mm -hmm. uh very basic <laughs> but it, they had to turn it even more basic for to handle load Mm -hmm. It was the first time where people were using the internet to get their news, so that was fun. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I wrote those medical um, uh, journal apps, a lot of swing, did a lot of teaching um, uh, and coding, and uh, part of that I did a lot of persistence. So all through this, I always had fun with databases. Okay. It always fascinated me. Um, I, I've written several weird layers of persistence on top of like wrap different things in. 
Um, and we kind of needed something. So we, we were using raw JDBC at the time. We had our own little library, but it was just like, it felt like too hard to, to, to get nearby. And I was looking for stuff to, to see if we can find something better. And I remember uh, I looked at different things, but the one I remember was Apache ODB. Mm-hmm. Um, and it Object Relational right. Bridge. This... Yes, that kind of thing. And it worked great. It was like, it had this like nice API with something called a session and you load the thing in and I was awesome. I was like, let's do this. Let's make it in. It worked great on my computer. And then when we actually started writing it and the first time we had to be two users on a, like going through a servlet and accessing things mm-hmm. uh, and had separate, separate, separate transactions was when I realized, at least at that time, that ODB in the VM had a shared state between all the threads. Mm-hmm. So like you can think in, in Hibernate DFA terms, the session was basically shared between everyone, yeah. depending on what transaction they want. So that was a mess. And I remember writing and talking, this was uh, uh, an RSC or Salesforce, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, SourceForge. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, or, or, I just remember talking back and forth with the lead of this thing. I was like, guys, you, you, you're doing this wrong. Like, this is not how it's supposed to be. And I remember, no, no, it's the, uh, the answer was coming back. Like, no, no, when you're in the VM, you want to have, you want to have the latest state. And if you want to do separation of concerns, um, you should use something else. Because okay. they, they believe that it was better. It was, I just remember it was just weird. And I was like so frustrated because I, I already built, we spent a few weeks on this thing. And then when we actually go concurrent, you know, it yep. worked great in the unit tests. <laughs> um, and this and is why I always tell you, no, forget forget about unit tests. You should, uh, as early as possible, no, have system <laughs> and stress tests. Because then you see whether that, it's that, actually working. That That is true. That is true. Um, uh, and then, then, so then, then, um, I remember looking around, and this again, this is you know early days of, of internet basically, um, <coughs> or real like uh, worldwide internet. And I saw this weird page, which was it has it like hibernate bluemars.net or something. Uh, it was like hibernate 07 or 08, and I had this like single page explaining what it did, mm-hmm. and it just ticked all the boxes. Like, I, uh, you know. Sim- like objects should not uh, like a lot of the the persistence require you to extend the subclass mm-hmm. um, or do something like well, it was weird and I didn't like it it was it was not clean um, and this one was like a podio like position podio um, I think Hibernate like the first one had a base class but in the next one they we, we removed it uh, and but the thing is it understood transactions like how transactions should be mm-hmm. uh, one thing led to another. I, we tried a thing. I was like, hey, this works. And the tooling, uh, there was some basic uh, schema generator stuff that was incomplete at that time. So I started contributing to the the thing that takes your schema and then generate the database. Mm-hmm. I started uh, then generate looking at, we had a lot, large existing database and I want to reverse engineer it uh, into mapping files. And so I wrote the first version of like uh, the HPM to something. Uh, DDL mm-hmm. and HPM to uh, DDL, DDL right. to exp- mm-hmm. all those things, and um, and some uh, suddenly I was the maintainer of the the thing that is now called Hibernate Tools. Um, and uh, wow, I, so, I so you became this... committed earlier, right? <clears throat> yeah, I was I uh, the fourth or something, third or fourth. Uh, so there was like uh, Gavin King was there and Christian Bauer, and then um, a guy called David in Australia, and then. 
I came on board on, on being quit on, on, on the core. And I actually, again, it comes back to Trifork. The, the first place that Gavin ever gave a talk uh, was at Yahoo in Aarhus in 2009. Yeah, in the, uh, either 1999 or 2002. I can't remember which. Okay. Year, probably. Um, and uh, yeah, he gave his first talk about uh, having it uh, there. I really enjoyed um, uh, Gavin's talk. <laughs> they were not always politically correct, you know, uh, but this was... No, they're, they're, they're always fun. So yeah, that, that, was, yeah. uh, that, that was good. So, no, so we had our first Hibernate team meeting in my, uh, in my, uh, my, my room. Uh, it was the first time we actually met each other. So you've always been online, right? It was like for a, maybe a year or two. Uh, and and they accepted there. you immediately as a committer or, you know, there, there was like, uh, what was they, the... So Gavin is always like, like if someone shows up and does something, he's literally just, you know, he, uh, I can't remember how, when I got commit access, but he was very active. He was in Australia. I was, I was working weird hours in Europe. So we were talking in, in my morning and, and my late evening and just, you know, walked through and he accepted the, I forgot how he actually, did. it must be like CBS or something. I can't, it was horrible, but, yeah. um, and then I, I, we just got commit access fairly, fairly, you know, early uh, in there, and uh, yeah. So that that was uh, that was the, the yeah that was again it was like the opposite of of um, <laughs> trying to figure out how programming works. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. <anyway. coughs> and um, and the thing is, I still couldn't really understand the internals of Hibernate. Hibernate's internals are it's called interesting <laughs> yeah. and it was actually not until so i was doing all the kind of stuff around the stuff i understood like reverse engineering the schemas and mapping and stuff and then when we had that team meeting oh, when we had that team meeting back in in uh, in denmark was actually the first time gavin stood up and explained to me and christian and a few others like how the persistent loader and all that stuff worked mm-hmm. uh inside hibernate internals and that was actually what triggered that so at that time, Hibernate couldn't do anything that, well, it could do a lot of good things, but it couldn't do like SQL queries. It was all HQL mm-hmm. um, on top. And I was always like, ah, you know, I, I like SQL. It's nice all, but I have all these existing SQL queries and I have all the DDBAs and stuff we have. They they, they, they understand this better. And I was like, why can't I um, uh, use native SQL? And and Chris, uh, 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 Gavin Disable, Let's let let me re refactor the how the loader works, and so it can we can hook in an alternative translator, and that made us create the what's now called create create SQL query or create native query in JPA now. That was the the early days of that, and that was that was, that was the first major thing outside the tools. Uh, that was the first major thing I made into uh, to uh, Hibernate. Um, so yeah, so every time you do a create. It's gold current stuff. It's probably running some micro in the uh, in hybrid. Hey, this is uh, actually yeah. incredible. And this was still at uh, at, at Trifork. Uh, yes, this was the stuff I did. Yeah. So the fun thing is, I actually did all this stuff for Hibernate, and I never made a like my pro- the products I was working on was using like they were older, has legacy stuff in it, and using my old persistence library I did at the time. Uh, but the years I was there, there was like four years I was doing uh, a Trifor, uh, the, the a Medfox thing, and then that company got acquired by IBM. Uh, sorry, not a company called. Uh, anyway, all the four years they, they got acquired, and in that time I never actually did Hibernate in production. 
Like I was always just a contributor and I have all my teammates who were working on new projects mm-hmm. who got to work on these things. But I was help I was telling like you should try this hybrid thing because it's it's doing the right thing. And and at that time I remember a guy who's very pessimistic, not pessimistic. He was like, "Eh." I said, "Like, just give it a try." He tried it, and then he he found a bug, like DB two, some weird thing. And I said, "Open an issue." And he was like, in the afternoon of mine, and then the next morning, like me and Gavin had worked on the fix, and it was just done. And then people were like amazed that hey, we could get a fix into our enterprise software without paying and with time. <laughs> And and it was actually a te- there's a person on their team who understood the technology, mm-hmm. and then of the, it just kind of highway got started got using everywhere. Yeah, um, and you know, Metfork Met think yeah. what which which what what, what what was the software? So it managed what? So what what was it? <coughs> what was so, the... uh, so electronic medical journal. So uh, the first one was like uh, keeping track of your name and date and what you like you get into the hospital and they do this screening and saying like what did you do how do you like what fail what uh, diagnosis should be done um but the one i spent most time on the last two the two or three years was actually uh medicine like keeping track of medicines this was a uh you know have a storage of all the different kind of drugs you have and how they interact so like don't take drug x with this because then you get blue spots or die or something okay um and 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 just keeping track of that and then uh having a system where you can again visually show like so the doctor can go and say hey i want to give two drops of this every four hours okay like the, the, this kind of uh, planning thing um and then be able to take all those data and visualize on a like a drug table or what you call it? yeah a table that the 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 staff that the nurses can then use to see when they need to give it mm-hmm. and then keep just keep track of all that stuff and it, it was really like it was like um what i liked about it was the fact that whatever i wrote here was helping people not dying it was kind of so that was the way okay. <laughs> um that, that was that was really uh you know that was that was the thing that that gave me the 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 will like <laughs> the will to show up every day it's like oh uh, this is actually helping yeah cool um and then uh, yeah, like three, four years in, the, uh, Gavin got hired by uh, Mark Flurry in Jebos, two thousand and three, I think, early two thousand three. Um, so him and Christian Bauer went there and and and, and worked there. Um, and I remember I never heard about well, I had never heard about Jebos and that stuff before. Um, but for a year they were they were building that up and. Steve Ebersole got hired in the U.S. because they needed a U.S. presence. And then uh, I came in when they needed the European presence. I got asked, hey, do you want to go and, and, and work for this company startup? And I was like, oh, okay, let's see. And uh, I was like, oh, we want you to be in um, in Switzerland. And I was like, okay. <laughs> that, was, that was a bit far away. But I, in, in a joke, I said, hey, you know, Gavin's had this gig I can do. But we have to move to Switzerland and in the French speaking part. And I thought she would say no, but he said, okay. And I was like, okay. And then we went to Switzerland and hanged out with uh, Sasha Labore, who's the CEO of, of Cloudbees now, and um, uh, ha- had a fun time. And I got hired. And then I started. And the first thing I did was show up in Atlanta for uh, the first JBoss uh, team meeting, uh, a company meeting. Uh, in 2004 yeah okay so speak the, 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 the speak uh, french right now 
Uh, I speak. Uh, I don't. I'm. I'm very embarrassed. I speak. I speak enough to be dangerous. Okay. Uh, but I, I'm not. I understand what people are saying. Uh, I can speak it, but not not as much as I, I definitely should. Because okay. literally, I've worked here and uh, the language. I only use French when I'm outside my house. Okay. Like like at, at work or anything. Then then there's no French. Okay. Um. So I, yeah, I I do. Yeah, I I can. I can speak. I can speak well, Danish, English, German, uh, and French. But every new French word I learn, I lose a German word. So, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> so this is the uh, uh, French-German balance, right? Yeah. Some. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. In, okay. So um, and, and then um, so so you kept doing what you are doing right now, right? So almost no different. So you just uh. Well, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for I uh, that came uh, Hibernate Tools, and then um, we did the thing called JBoss IDE, um, and uh, later became JBoss Tools. But I think like a year in, to year or two in, when uh, uh, Red Hat acquired JBoss, uh, like a year or two after. Mm-hmm. Um, we got uh, this. They they wanted to do like, Gearbox was very much into getting IDE, and Eclipse was the the thing. I remember evaluating uh, like through all this stuff I've been doing. Like I've done plugins for basically every IDE on the planet in some form, like either experimental or actual uh, mm-hmm. uh, actual doing something. Um, and uh, no, sorry, I did the. I started doing uh, Hibernate tools, and it was uh, I moved it to Eclipse rather than just a standalone Swing app. And um, we got this company called Exadel uh, that was doing this. Uh, what was it called? Uh, Rich Faces, the JSF uh, mm-hmm. library. We were doing a lot of the seam thing. JSF was a was a new, 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 awesome thing. And they had this visual editor for JSF and a bunch of other things in the Eclipse tooling. And I remember I got a call for Gavin at point saying, "Hey, we need we have this thing, the company we're looking at. Can you go to, um, uh, you know, that must have been Musk. I had a Musk call, I had to go and check like, how does this work? Like, is this like is, is software something you can use and that kind of thing? Uh, due diligence, so it's called. And uh, so I went there and I saw the Excel stuff. Um, uh, a lot of good things. A lot of you know, it was a big code base." Mm-hmm. Um, and then we partnered with the company and we got the technology and we hired uh, the contract that team and I became the team lead of, of, of what was called JBoss EIE at the time but then we gave us tools in the community product and then over the years we built up this thing and, and created JBoss Developer Studio which then became Red Hat Developer Studio which then became uh, Code Ready what it's called now um, and I did that uh, for 10 years so for 10 years I did any kind of tooling or developer experience in JBoss middleware, I I was kind of leading the the, the technical uh, side and delivery, and then you know we have a bunch of people in in JBoss and and different teams that are doing it, and I was just kind of coordinating and getting that released and and making sure the features in Basic Clips was there, and one thing led to another, and we actually got I was on the Clips board for uh, a few years. As the I got Red Hat became a strategic member, um, and then ten years in, uh, I touched basically every middleware part from a tool perspective in some way, and then I kind of said, "Hey, I should try something else." 
and then Red Hat did um, this thing called Red Hat Developer, uh, developer.com, and they wanted to create uh, some tool chain uh, online. Uh, so I actually handed over the range for the developer tools and started working on the team of, of that time called OpenShift.io, uh, which then led into stuff like um, I was acquiring Eclipse J, um, do a lot of the stuff around the language server. So the language server that's used in, in VS Code for Java, mm -hmm. uh, I helped kick off. Mm -hmm. um, so Gorkum and Fred and those guys um, did the hard work. And then, um, uh, yeah, so now that team has now uh, you know, grew. We did all this tooling, all this OpenShift communities for, for two years. And then I took a break for a year. <laughs> I literally just said, okay, I delivered this stuff, and then I took a, I, I took a year off. Okay. Like, not doing anything. Um, and uh, and that was awesome. I got to travel and had fun, and I spent a lot of time again with Python. <laughs> okay. Because uh, I, got, I, was got, I was getting frustrated with Java. Like when Java 9 came out, I felt that was like the because I was doing all like all this tooling around Maven and and Gradle and Eclipse and IntelliJ and all that stuff, and then Java nine with the model system came in. That was literally the worst. Like that was just there was so much stuff, so many assumptions and behavior that that broke. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, okay, I, was, I literally said fuck it. I was like, no, <laughs> I, I need to try something else. Um, and uh, I got to play with Go, and I, I really like Go for the simplicity. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the the the, the, the and the cross compilation stuff, so the native stuff. Um, but again, I it was just it, it it just frustrated me. We had to give up. There's a lot of stuff you don't like. You go to Go and you lose a lot of stuff. Java has a very like massive ecosystem things, yeah. and, and mm -hmm. Go just doesn't have the the, the same thing. They ha it definitely has some power. Um, no, so I took a year off, and I I didn't touch a computer for, uh, uh, well, because I left in July 2018, and October 2018 was when they announced IBM, Red Hat was buying IBM. So mm -hmm. I had to look at my computer again, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and um, yes, and I actually, but I actually took up Python, and I did some home like a thing called Home Assistant for automation of. Uh, IoT devices, mm -hmm. and I, I decided to write a CLI for that. So I spent, yeah, that year was ma I was mainly coding Python and actually enjoying being back to a language that was, you know, more uh, dynamic and and uh, no, there's no compiler phase and that kind of thing. It's just it was a, it was a joy to play with. Yeah, so you um, yeah, so you know are perfect with formatting, right? So you are the best format. Yeah, well, in the world. so that's <laughs> that, that, but that's that's the thing is that. Python, like one of the things that Go did, like this is the probably the most stupid thing I'll say, but one of the things that Go did was it it kind of legalized uh, formatting in your build process, like mm -hmm. Go for, Go FMT, right? So mm -hmm. any Go program automatically formats with Go FMT. So there's like even if you type random like index whatever wrong, it will format for you. So mm -hmm. Python actually has that toolchain now, so you can actually. You just run the; it will actually fix lots of the indentation for you, mm -hmm. and there's a type. There's a you can add a type system to it. Mm -hmm. So Python actually can get fairly good at type checking, and and uh, at least it's good enough to not uh, feel as as wild west as we might be. So mm -hmm. um, no, it's I have no problem with that. I uh, YAML, I don't have a problem with it either. I, I can get upset, but I know how to fix it. So, yeah, um, a question regarding uh, um, back to your to your to your swing swing background. So I yeah. also did some swing. 
And uh, then, you know, the Eclipse RCP and SWT and uh, just took off. And some project asked yeah. me you now to help. And I look at that and I say, you are all crazy. So no way. I, I, I really don't like yes. it. So, I, uh, so I was just I, about <laughs> your, because I mean, you, you are an Eclipse contributor. But I have to say, I never got, you know, people were excited at conferences talking about SWT, the Eclipse plugins. And and I look at that and say, like, this is this is incredible. This is like, you know, 19, 1950s in, in Java, so what you are doing there. What was your reaction to the SWT and, 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 and the whole it, Eclipse? It's, uh, I, I don't want to upset some of my colleagues. Who are no, this is a just private it. conversation, but, you know? <laughs> no, 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 it's part of it. Sure. Uh, no, I, I, I was, I, I literally, I wrote uh, like uh, extensions to, to Swing. Like I made a tree table and I made like mm -hmm. uh, layouts and custom yes, controls. Yes, same here, yeah. Swing. And it was awesome. Right? Yeah. But it got slow in the tooth. Like it, it it was not fast enough. And then well, the, the the part that Eclipse did right was at the time, by choosing to go native, yeah. Uh they they got a leg up. Like and they could they, they, at that time this is when, when Windows ninety five and ninety eight, whatever it's called, and had these new things like sliding up sli slide out and, 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 a, and a more flat look. Mm-hmm. And it, Swing never like it took them years to catch up. Yeah. Um, but the program model in Swing, I much is so much better. Yeah. Um, uh, but I must say, like the the thing you can do with with SLT, you can hook more native in, and uh, if they actually maintain it, if they actually had continued SLT and continued investment, it, the 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 way they've done it actually allows them to do it on other platforms. So. Uh, Android and iOS, they could have done the same thing, but because of the whole closed garden thing there is in those in mobile, that never uh -huh. uh, happened. So, so it, it's odd, but yeah, I don't. I'm not a. I, I did a lot of of of, um, of uh, SWT, but uh, or more like JFace, which is more like Swing is, yeah. uh, which is a problem. Uh, but yeah, it, it's not. Yeah, but it's, but it's like you you kind of accept the. Funkiness in SOT because you get the benefit that is yeah, more. This is what I absolutely get, but no one said it at conferences. No, everyone took like they were absolutely excited about SWT and JFace, and I took a look at this. It's like yeah. this is a bunch of constants, and you have to know no in which order to 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 uh, order them. And this was like, like uh, what's going on here? We are in Java, not in Assembly. You know? Yeah, no, it, it was uh, yeah, it's um, yeah. But well, the fantastic part, like those those years, was the fact that we actually had a, pl a platform. Where a majority of other companies was contributing to tooling was amazing. Like this was actually like uh, there was a lot of synergies and 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 like we could align to each other and, and get them to 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 match up. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the the problem was that IBM, who was hosting a lot of the club stuff and put it at the foundation, um, they didn't understand the fact that when you have people showing up who has a passion and will to do a fix don't let that fix rot for weeks and months mm -hmm. and if you do that and uh, in one with one way in one hand and then in the other hand you actually accept patches but doesn't make someone who keeps coming back a contributor then they will disappear and you end up having to maintain this code yourself Mm -hmm. And then your bosses will say, "Hey, why are you spending that much time?" Well, we have these communities with contributing, but they never. Well, they they did eventually. We, it was one of the things that we helped uh, get them to understand and work toward. 
um, they it took a year or two too long for them to understand that that opening up they will have had more uh, more, more luck. Um, uh, but now, for example, the fun thing is Eclipse. Like people are, uh, are dissing on Eclipse, but the fun thing is that Eclipse is now used in uh, the language server. Like if you're using VS Code or anything yeah. else, uh, it is now is literally Eclipse you're using. So this is this um, is the, the, the you know the the largest Java process process on my machine right now. The the language server. If I that, use that 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 is true, but it's yeah. also very good at what it does. <laughs> but but it's still it's still smaller than your Slack process, right? Yeah, I don't have Slack, but uh, if so, if I no, uh, if I uh, did some uh, you know uh, Corku stuff or uh, or Open Liberty Wi-Fi, and if I uh, yeah. open up the you know the activity monitor, people suspect you know the largest process is the server. No, it is always the Visual Studio Code, and no one believes this. You know, so I kill Visual Studio Code, which kills the server, and then just you know yeah. the the tiny Java <coughs> application server show up. So this is actually a funny yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, yeah, but it's funny. I, I've gone through all the battles of people dissing and stuff. But the thing is, Eclipse, the JDT stuff, is actually an amazing piece of technology, mm-hmm. all open source. It's the fastest compiler there is. It's the mo- it's incremental. It ha- it's fault tolerant, and it scales way better than uh, a lot of other tooling. Like uh, like right now, I'm I'm doing a mix of VS Code, IntelliJ, and Eclipse. Eclipse is the one I use when I need to browse and understand big code bases mm-hmm. where I'm more in, in VS code for, for sm- smaller things mm-hmm. and IntelliJ because IntelliJ has more of the new, it's better to do like uh, if you have stream de- debugging and that kind of thing. So I, I'm, I'm kind of using all, all, all three. Um, but Eclipse is still like, like when you look at it, all the people are complaining about it was taking up this memory and that stuff. It's it's not. It's like compared to what. No, no, got, I'm not complaining small. about memory yeah. at all. No, no, but I, mean, people I, I know, know, I know you, I know, I know you understand it. But I also know, like it's it's uh, it's just funny all the battles we had. Um, I don't get the whole uh, discussion about memory, no, because it's a, if you're already complaining about memory, you should not complain about everything, not just you know uh, Java, or whatever, and everything yeah, else is a, a, a lot larger yeah. than what we are but, doing. Yeah. Even though a Chrome is a, is a is a huge or something like this, right? Yeah, but it's actually exactly the, the thing is that right now, uh, is that what what we didn't realize, or what let's say industry, you know, they always complain about it was the memory that's a problem. It's the problem with Eclipse is not memory. It was that. You you perceived it as Eclipse being slow because it it uh, it tried to do a lot of things in the background and took a little time to come up. Mm-hmm. Where uh, uh, NetBeans, for example, doesn't try and understand the world; it just uses external tools like mm-hmm. Java C and lets mm-hmm. it run the background. It, it it's like a like a glorified coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what VS Code did right was um, it. Again, it doesn't try and load up the whole uh, understanding. It lets it be up to these language servers. It runs in a separate process. And if they go uh, haywire, you can just kill that one, and the IDE still continues to, to work just fine. And what I remember, at uh, a conference, I used NetBeans with Glassfish, and I, and I just you know, deployed everything on the fly. And I remember people came yeah. to you and, you, and you come back to me, how it works. And we had a short chat because uh, you wanted to have something similar with Jebos IDE. You remember that? This was like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's a lot. No, it's like this is like when I realized the difference between the strategy in Eclipse and other IDEs is like they they delegate to the tools, and yes, they can't get the full understanding, but they can get enough for you to be productive. Yeah, which is the key point, right? Yeah. So that was that when that kind of clicked for me um, was when I started all our tooling. Well, 
this, this is a long time ago, but like nine, ten years ago, I, <clears throat> I, I, I kept realizing, hey, yeah, we should just delegate to these tools. So, um, <clears throat> uh, it's also a good thing because, for example, my biggest uh, pet PV for IDs is like the plugin comes in, then the plugin start using the core logic. So, for example, the Jules plugin we had for years mm-hmm. um, was actually embedding Jules inside it. And that meant that when Jules updated, it also had to update the plugin. Mm-hmm. And that meant that the plugin was tied to the version mm-hmm. or very near. So that meant that, like, uh, and I kept explaining, like, guys, and realize if we, if our IDE, if when we upgraded to Java, that it said, oh, no, no, you have to use a different IDE depending on which version of Java you're using, we will be frustrated. Mm-hmm. Right? So the, the strategy that is in, Eclipse and, and uh, other, well, IntelliJ has the same thing, um, is that you end up with this, like, it's hard to maintain. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you do this, what NetBeans does and VS Code does, you decouple yourself from this, mm-hmm. and it becomes much easier to maintain. Um, and that was, that was uh, yeah, and that's that's what we've been doing a lot of in, in internally in Red Hat. Uh, Another thing which you mentioned, not- what I wanted to come um, back to, is the, you know, the Java module system. And uh, oh. I spend a lot of time in <laughs> a lot of time in uh, business projects similar to, to yours probably even, and then you know the Eclipse yeah. took off RCP and then all conferences and the problem is all the conferences and speakers yeah. and all consultants go out and talk about uh, funny stuff which is uh, partially applicable I would say to real world projects sometimes. Yes. And uh, yeah. Eclipses came out you know with the plugins and this was similar discussion to microservices right now. So and and then yeah. we are more or less forced in projects to use plugins. And I remember in one of my projects, a huge company, and I was like the external architect and designer and coder in, in one person, more or less. And there was one uh, internal architect, and he wanted to have plugins. Yeah. And I didn't saw the point yeah. because we had to, you know, to release the software at once. There was no concept of, you know, loading something on demand or partial functionality. There was just, you know, there was one piece of software without yeah. any conception of, you know, uh, algorithms or filters like in Photoshop or something like this. This was just, I couldn't see yeah. this from the business perspective. And he said, okay, yeah. how many plugins do we have? I said, yeah, three. We have a front-end, back-end, and a <coughs> test plugin. He's like, no, 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 we cannot do this. No, there's monolithic. You are just, you know, completely, your point of view is completely wrong. And I said, okay, yeah. how many plugins you would like to say, just give me a number, and we will charge you per plugin, let's say, you know, uh, two days. And I will I, I will name the plugins, plugin one to 20, or you give me, you uh, know, reasonable names. And the guy hates me to now. If he see me, no, he cannot stand me. And, 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 and I have to say, in none of my projects, I saw you know the point of plugins until in one project I had a conversation with the guy who uh, won the uh, Duke Choice Award. I forgot his name. He created satellite softwares with uh, NetBeans RCP, uh, and yeah. uh, and he said, "Okay, we had satellites, you know, a signal, and we have many plugins which are contributed by the community." And these plugins uh, can process the signal, so we can load, you know, the algorithms. Okay, this is the single use case I know right now, which makes sense, or Photoshop. And uh, similar you know, story to microservices, just deploy 100 and uh, and everything is going to be better without conception what they actually are, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the next thing is OSGI. So then I got a lot of no fire from the OSGI guys because I say, I don't see the point, you know. OSGI for me makes only sense if I have the use case where I would like to know dynamically load something and have different release versions. Or um, they're saying, uh, yeah. yeah, but your software becomes, you know, monolithic. It's like, I don't care. 
if it's fast and it's simple, yeah. I will build monolith. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And then no, Java I, 9 I, came I, out. Yeah. Then Java 9 came out, and now the entire discussion stopped. So I mean, I, 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 the whole you know, no one uses neither OSGI, no plugins, no Java 9. Except in tooling, so you are a complete different world as me, you know. Because in business we don't have such yeah. a in, in tooling. If you're building platforms, OSGI, Java yeah. nine, they are a must. You cannot just build monolithic application server or a runtime. You know, you cannot build Quarkus without just as a monolith. So it it won't won't fly. So you need something. No, like no. That. So we don't. You know, we don't use neither OSGI. Or yeah, yeah, no. But you have a concept <laughs> yeah. of uh, concept of modules at least, you know, or extensions. It, this is mo- a, it's, yeah, extensions, yeah, yes. It's mo- it's monolith, right? And yeah. That, but that's the thing is this this caught me this took me actually years to actually realize so the OCI came out and and it was coming from these embedded devices and and their actual modulation makes sense because then yeah. then they can couple of things down and scale it down and actually so it, it it has some advantages and I remember hearing these you know talks and and, and read about it like oh yeah you know we can separate because in Eclipse you are ba- you have both back end and front end like your logic like the compiler. It shouldn't be tied to your UI code, right? Because mm-hmm. you want to write, run the compiler separately uh, mm-hmm. in your ant process or Gradle and that kind of thing. Uh, oh, that's in Maven. Uh, so it makes sense to have some separation, like modularizing, modularize, modularize, modularization. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily have to be dynamic, but just have a separation. And then they start going, well, the great thing we can separate the UI in the front end, and uh, you can modularize, and all this goodness that a modular system on paper gives you. Yeah. And I, I tried to write, like, I've, one of the reasons I moved uh, Hibernate tools to from the Swing ID to, to Eclipse was this promise of pluggability. And, and, like, I had, like, different databases. I could see that stuff. But the thing is, what they missed in Eclipse was that uh, OSGI has this, like, a service event bus, mm-hmm. which is the thing that allows you to decouple uh, the back end from the front end. Mm-hmm. But in Eclipse, no. There's that they don't use that, so it's literally it's a plugin system. So you literally load up like you merge the class loaders and you load them up, and there's a static dependency. Mm-hmm. And that means again you get the coupling you talk about like, like why why are we doing this thing, and the fact that you could not just have multiple version of the same plugin just communicating mm-hmm. uh, because it was just it was actually, actually at runtime it was coupled it, it mm-hmm. was not modelized. Mm-hmm. And it took me a little bit. It's like, oh, we're missing that key part mm-hmm. in um, from OSGI. And then when you go look at it, you end up being in a world that is very similar to microservices. Like it literally is a distributed system, and you have to decouple. And then you have all the problems with that. Yeah. Um, so again, it's it's. I I love when you say like you tell people like just stop doing microservices because the monolithic is fine. Uh, only use microservices when it makes sense. And I'm 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 completely in the same uh, in in the same. Um, uh, canvas source. Yeah, uh, <laughs> actually, two, two, two days ago, I delivered the first AX Live about uh, Quarkus, and they wanted to have microservices. And, oh, yeah. and uh, in the middle yeah. of the of the of the thing, I thought, okay, you can actually use Quarkus. It is small, and then just create a monolith. Let's say if the if the yeah. monolith you no know, deploys extremely fast, it's small. Who cares? You yeah. will win. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, imagine. No. You would create, you know, let's let's go extreme. This always, I think, this is always nice to see to go to 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 extreme direction to see what happens. Let's say you manage to put the entire company in one Quarkus bundle. And let's assume this Quarkus bundle, this Quarkus service, <laughs> deploys in half a second or one second. Who cares then? Yeah. Right. Then there you have no problem. Of course, if this thing yeah. will deploy one hour, then we have to talk. 
But if it's incredibly fast, but, everything is fine and it, it consumes no memory, no one cares. So I would yeah. say do the but, simple possible thing once, you know, ship it and see what happens, measure, yeah. run some stress tests, and then break it up. They say, okay. Yeah. No, yeah. but that, I, I find it like a super, when, when this whole like, you know, oh, we have to like, like uh, ah, Google does it, Microsoft, uh, yeah. Google, Amazon, uh, Netflix, whatever does it. And then uh, like Facebook, oh, they also do, do it. But when you have to look at Facebook, they what they're deploying is a two gigabyte uh, PSP blob. Yeah. And that gets rolled out. They, and they spent, they, instead of modernizing, they spent time on making compiler faster, uh, make their distribution mechanism using peer to peer rather than, uh, than, than RSync. Mm -hmm. And by that, they, they literally just, they automated the heck out of it. So yeah. that the fact that it was a monolith doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? And yeah. that's, that's the thing is like, this is, this is, and this is awesome. Right. And this is why I, when I talk about Quarkus, I'm, uh, for me, it's of course I think it's great we have now a way to make a Java small and 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 great. But for me, the thing is that for me the benefit is the the, develop, the dev mode, like the fact that we done all the stuff in build and we do changes. We 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 are literally optimizing the the build process mm -hmm. so that your development process and deployment becomes fast. Yeah, and, and I have yeah, to admit the the dev tools is uh, is nice, but uh, the Quarkus is so fast. That I sometimes forget about, you know, the dev mode, and I just do Maven <laughs> compile a Java minus jar. Sure. So I have sh a, sh a short script. Yeah. So yesterday, uh, yesterday, two days ago, in the in the workshop, no one recognized that I didn't use the dev uh, the, the the dev tools, the dev mode, you know. And then I said, oh, I absolutely <laughs> forgot, you know, the showcase of Quarkus the dev mode. And then I launched a Quarkus with the yeah. whole reload. It's like, okay, everyone was was uh, somehow delighted, but they they saw, you know, the worst case first. What I did first, you know, Maven package. And then Maven. Yeah, but it takes a few seconds, right? So yeah, yeah this was like uh, yeah, I just you know, deleted the tests, but, but, and it, it, it takes that, one, like, one second or two seconds, so it doesn't matter. So no one recognized yeah. that actually. Yeah. And but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's so funny because about a big part of the stuff I did with that, the, the ten years development was actually make sure that you can deploy to Wildfly, and uh, you know, JBoss and stuff incrementally, and do these updates very mm -hmm. uh, quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, unfortunately, it, it was like it was only available in our tools, so you know people uh, uh, started using more at Maven and Ant, uh, Ant and then Maven and Gradle, mm -hmm. so they, they never really got the, the full benefit of it. Um, but now where we have it in tooling, I'm I'm like so amazed because now like the tool, the runtime itself, also runtime the the framework itself is kind of built for making developers fast, life fast. Yeah. But uh, it was so fun when I. I, that was one of the reasons why I joined. Like when when I was on on sabbatical, I I heard about Project before it was named Quarkus, and I was like, okay, maybe if I go back, this would be the thing I actually work on. Uh, and that was mainly because of the whole dev mode and the whole like okay. all the stuff we can do there. We haven't even done all the stuff we want to do yet. Um, but the my what was really funny is the first time I actually went out and in I can't remember early uh, late last year, I was out with a customer and talk about Quarkus and demo it. Uh, this was in a, in a big uh, corporation, and I showed the dev mode, and I saw how, like, I show how, like, see how fast this goes. Like, this is like it takes milliseconds instead of like seconds. Mm -hmm. And they said this is a great demo, Max. But by the way, like, you know, I, we think this is awesome, but you know, uh, you had us when you said we could deploy stuff within minutes because they they were. They, like they were used to when they do stuff, it had to go through like several layers of security audit stuff. 
before they can get to the cluster, the deployment of clusters. So their yep. their whole perception of what is fast is like if things takes less than a day, that's fast. Yeah, I, I was like, just, I was so amazed. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> My so, uh, my short story about Quarkus. So um so for me uh, I use a uh, Whitefly and Glassfish or Payara uh, and uh, Open Liberty I would say yeah. uh, almost uh, no one third each. So probably Payara and Whitefly more than the IBM, and um yeah. and uh they were for me always fast because uh, as you know my architecture were no dependencies. Uh, thin wars, yeah, yeah. and uh, I created yeah. a small tool uh, two years ago called uh, Watch and Deploy. What? And this is yeah. the most simple tool you can probably write. So what it just does, it uh, it searches whether there are time step changes in source main Java and source main resources, and on every change, yeah. it just does Maven clean install. That's all. Then you get the yeah, war, and, and it just copies yeah. the war to to all auto deploy folders I know on the machine. That's all. So it's like, you know, five classes. And, but, but the thing is, people suspect me that there's magic behind. So I got an AXTV. No. So how you replace the classes? I was like, there is no replacement. This is full deployment. This is the most simplistic. Go to GitHub. It is, yeah. It's just was my tool. And it is so fast that if I show Quarkus, no one is really impressed. Because if you do Whitefly reasonable... It is very fast, yeah. and I was yeah, at the no, at the at the Java yeah. One conference, the one of the last one, and there were the uh, Thonte people in my talk. I don't know whether you also attended, but they asked me, you know, about my opinion about Thontail, and I told them, sorry, but I don't see any use cases. So the the Whitefly is so small. Whether I will shave over you know the ten megs, no one is interested in it. We can talk about marketing. So the perception is Whitefly is small is, is slow, perhaps, but this is yeah. not true. And um, yeah. and I was absolutely not interested in any you know micro frameworks, micro profile, whatever, until Quarkus came out. But this is a, a I would say a topic for a different story because Quarkus is the first tool which, from my perspective, it just takes you know whatever was good in Java E and micro profile to the next next yeah. next generation. Next so level. they they, they yes. optimized everything and very consequently. And this is the first time I saw this. It's not like you know mini optimizations. They they did the right thing. You have you know the old APIs. Yeah. With completely you no know, rethought deployment process, and this is something really new and really modern. It, I was really amazed, yeah. and I saw yeah. it from but day I, one. This was okay. This is a completely different story. Yeah, no, but this is this is the the, the part. Like this is when I out explaining about Quarkus. I I focus so much on because when when I came uh, back uh, in, in September last year, Quarkus was kind of known for this is the thing that 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 uses GraalVM to make native images. I'm like, yeah, there's no one cares about that at first. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it is is awesome and amazing, but yeah. that is not the big thing. <laughs> but this is the most uh, important thing. What I do at the companies, yeah. I show them this first, yeah. and I see, look, the microservice will take ten megs, and then the whole discussion yeah. stops about RAM and memory, you know, and then we can focus yeah. on the real thing. So this is the most important thing. You have to show it's possible, and then the whole bike yeah. sharing discussion stops, and then we can focus on the real thing. Exactly. Yeah. Right? And the thing is, the, 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 not sure if you realize, but the, so the same thing we've done for for, for the like, like you said, it make the take the good parts of the APIs and make the deployment better, and and just generally just optimize the hell out of it. Um, the same thing we are we we actually do on the dev side. So that well, what I did, what what I did, I told you what I did at the at the workshop. Yeah. So uh, I created you know uh, an application with resource and request scoped and injection. And then yeah. I just created some beans with request scoped, application scoped, which were injected. 
but not connected to the resource. So this was like, you know, isolated island of connected beans, managed beans. And then sure. I ran the DevTools, and then what you see in the log, that Quarkus recognizes that these classes are not used and removes them. It marks them as ah, unused nice. beans. Yeah. And I say, look, this is what JavaScript uh, uh, calls tree shaking. We have it in Java. And um, That's true. Uh, yeah. yeah, I forgot yeah. to record. I will record a screencast on YouTube because uh, this is not that obvious. Yeah. And the That's funny part is, yeah. you know, you have the classes in the jar, but they are not used. They are compiled, but they are not used. So the uh, the arc, this is the class, uh, the, yeah. uh, the, the arc tool does that. And this is what I showed. And I call it tree shaking usually. And, and this is unique. Yeah. And the reason is, I don't know whether you saw my other YouTube videos, if you if you run Quarkus with some microprofile extensions, it is smaller than Jetty or Tomcat, which are empty. So <laughs> right now, a loaded microservice Quarkus app is smaller than an empty web container. Yes, because we, we throw out all the stuff yeah, we don't tree shaking. Yeah. You, you, no, you, yeah. yeah, this is... <laughs> that's true, that's true. It's, it's the same, uh, same, uh, same in principle. And the but the thing that I, I in addition to that is the, the developer tool chain, right? So one example here is that we have these extensions that uh, that I can take part in. The big thing is taking part in in, in tree shaking and, and figure out which classes can be stripped out, etc. Uh, but it also can take part in the dev mode, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so for example, LiquidBase, you know the the mm -hmm. tool for mm -hmm. uh, migrating databases. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that default extension was uh, that extension was contributed uh, some months ago, um, and but then Stuart Douglas noticed that when you use LiquidBase, it takes 500 or something milliseconds slower to start up, and 500 mm -hmm. milliseconds for us is like an eternity. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact that he then we found out that the the way it it does the LiquidBase in in it loads up its configuration file and then it generates SQL for every knowable database it has. Mm -hmm. So it knows about 10 databases. So it, it does the same thing 10 times, mm -hmm. uh, which is pointless because you're only going to deploy for one. Yeah. Um, so without having to change LiquidBase, uh, the extension in Quarkus now uh, orchestrates LiquidBase to, oh, no, no, no. You only have to reload if one of these resources has changed. And mm -hmm. when you reload, only generate for one database. And that means that now in, 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 in Quarkus, the, the, the LiquidBase now is even faster. And uh, you can literally do a full data migration uh, doing your startup. Uh, and it just we can do the same thing with other tools, um, whether it's the hot reload or hibernate or um, any other testing that, that or, or camel, like the way, uh, I don't know, have you tried using the camel uh, plugins? I, uh, yeah, I just look at them. I don't have a use case right now in my, my, my projects, but uh, they look really yeah. interesting. So there are lots of hundreds of camel the, projects, but, right? Yeah, and the thing is that the, the the fact that you can sit there and write code as you like looking at PHP and Node.js and just have it rerun the, your integration and you just change your routes and your transformation and it just it's like in seconds mm -hmm. it becomes it it enables experimentation which is yes. the the thing that 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 I was missing in Java like I, I remember it from back in the old days I could do experimentation in Java but now it's back like it's uh, yeah. that's the that's the thing Hey Max so, I would uh, like to stop here. Yeah. And uh, re-invite you back okay. to talk exclusively about Quarkus and what you're doing right now. So this was like you no know, introduction cool. that uh, to understand sure. what, what what your actually uh, uh, topics are. And the next session in a few weeks, if you like, I would like just to talk about oh, that. Sure. Otherwise, we will spend you oh. know three hours talking about the great Quarkus stuff right now. And uh, sure. 
and uh, then we talk about code ready and whatever Visual Studio Code and uh, whatever we have, right? And uh, well, you should, you should, you should, you should. Have you tried JBang, by the way? How it's called? <laughs> JBang. It's my side product. I created it over Christmas. No. It literally, it literally allows you to write, um, uh, use Java for scripting. So cool. instead of having to do with Maven or Gradle, you just write a single uh, like. Like, literally, you know what? Like in Java 10 or 9, they said, hey, you can have a single Java yeah, file yeah, and run it yeah. directly. Uh, but that thing doesn't support dependencies and arguments and all that stuff. So I just made that happen. Hey, so cool. JBank is the name. JBank. J is a bad, it's like Shebang, but yeah. JBank with a J. Yeah, yeah cool. So, um, and uh, what, what else are your resources? Yeah, so, so JBank is, is the sidekick here again. Uh, the, the, otherwise, I'm Max Anderson on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. It's the same. Uh, Name everywhere. And JBank? Uh, and otherwise, yeah. And JBank is, uh, well, if you put it in Google, it's the first hit. It's GitHub slash Max Anderson slash JBank. Okay, cool. We'll take a look at this. So, uh, I'll, I'll love to hear your thoughts on it. It's not it's not enterprise Java, but it, it the, the fact, since I've done it, uh, all uh, the cutting scripts and Python scripts and other automation we've had, I've seen, we've just kind of thrown out and used this instead because... Java actually has all these libraries you can use, and uh, yeah, yeah, can, I, I do it. Yeah. I do it for years, so I, I'm really looking forward into it because I miss using the yeah. Nason for that. So I use a similar. So I use a Nason as a scripting language and uh, called Java from there. Yeah, and right now I'm yeah. using uh, Quarkus a lot, but Quarkus until now is not very good with CLI. So uh, I, well, I think we fixed that now. Yeah, yeah, I know now, okay, but yeah. uh, I do it yeah. from the beginning, and then I know I created uh, the yeah. native libraries or even fed jars. This was the only reason to use fed jars, and they sit somewhere and they it, for automation yeah. for my stuff, lots of stuff. So I'm I using yeah, but now if you fix that, perfect, because Quarkus yeah. was really hard to kill. So <laughs> I was you yeah. had to know yeah <laughs> if it runs, I wanted you know to start Quarkus, do something and 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 kill it, but this was not always oh, possible. Oh yeah, no. No, so we, we, we've had that now, right? And uh, one of the things, uh, like I created JBack, so command line mode was one of the first things. When I heard about Quarkus, I wanted to do command line stuff. Yeah, like, me as well. I to, yeah. Uh, on ma uh, native stuff, right? Um, so I, I was pushing so hard on getting command line tools in, uh, and it's now there. And the cool thing is it has dev mode and all this stuff, but uh, we hopefully, I'm actually want to make the JBank stuff, I want to be able to call Quarkus apps. So Very good. Make, so, so, uh, it's yeah. JBang is completely separate from Quarkus, but there's they have the same. It's just making Java better, basically. Yeah. Um, and more accessible. So uh, yeah, I'll give give it a try, and then yeah, I'll be happy to come back and talk about Quarkus. And if you like JBang, then yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you. That. So it was really fun to talk well, with you. Awesome. Yeah. Likewise. Bye. Thank you.